murder, divorce, drugs. Our courts are full of stories, scary, sad, and hilarious. Most are tales stranger than fiction. These are true law stories. Brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com, the ultimate resource for customer and client video stories. All right, on this episode of True Law Stories, we're going to talk about hiding cryptocurrency thumb drives in a divorce. Who gets them? How do you get them? Where do you find them? What do you do with it? Millions of dollars possibly lost. The craziest thing Paul Phipps, divorce attorney, has ever seen in a divorce. Paul, say hi. Hey, how are you guys? Awesome. And uh, we're going to talk about a pantsless DUI pushing a car and how Paul just separates himself from all of this. Paul Phipps is with NLG. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. But before we get started, one of the best ways to promote your business, to promote your law firm is through your video case stories. Go to videocasestory.com. We'll help you create a strategy for YouTube, Facebook, and to collect, craft, and deliver those stories. All right, let's get started. Before we get into it, you know, we're going to talk about pants down DUI, possibly, and uh, a few other crazy crypto stories with, with divorce and crypto. But before we get into that, Paul, tell me a little bit about yourself and, and the firm. So I, I work for uh, NLG. I'm a partner at NLG, and we do exclusively family law. So family law, divorce, paternity, generally high asset cases, but uh, we do have a myriad of different clients. But that's our thing. I learned a long time ago, you can do one thing very well, or you can do a lot of things not so well. So I've chosen to do one thing very well. And NLG uh, also takes that. So we, with those are the types of cases we do. And that's what we do. We would like to say maybe a boutique or a specialty firm in family law. And what drew you to family law? It's a crazy, it's a crazy field. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's, it's interesting. You know, I, I was working at JP Morgan for years when I, I left JP Morgan. I wanted to hang up my own shingle and just so many family law cases. There was such a high, an incredible high rate of divorce. And, uh, you know, as time goes on, not even divorce, paternity cases. A lot of people don't think marriage is a thing these days. So you have paternity and then people have children together. And once they're no longer in love, uh, it becomes a problem and somebody has to figure all this out. So. It's just so many people started coming in. I, I did a lot of the cases. I, I started to enjoy it. Uh, a family law attorney is in court weekly. I mean, a lot of people that are attorneys do not visit the courtroom with uh, a lot of frequency, but I can tell you anybody that is a, a full-time family law attorney goes to court at least once a week, uh, often several times a week. Interesting. And what, you know, was there a moment or a case that you're like, I really love family law? We, I think as humans, we all like to contribute in some way. We like to feel good. There's an innate desire to, to, to do something good or positive. And, it, you know, a lot of times we're, we're, this is people's most emotional experience that they're going to go through in their life. So at the end, for someone to say, you know, wow, this, this, you did a great job and you were really calming to me and this really worked out the way you said it was going to, it just gives me some internal satisfaction. And I, I think that's what drives me. I, I really strive to manage my clients' expectations and then to do a good job for them. I mean, I, I litigate as if they're my children, as if they're my assets. And a very important uh, quality of a family law lawyer, if anyone's looking for one, is the lawyer has to be able to separate themselves from the case. They, you want them to argue like it's their stuff. But they can't take it home because I think that makes them an ineffective lawyer. You have to have some degree of separation and logic. Uh, so you deal with lawyers, you know, we make long answers. The short answer is 
I just feel a lot of satisfaction when I can see I can help a family, whether it be through settlement or through litigation. And I feel like I've done some good in the world for kids or, or, or people. Yes, that's great. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about this crypto case. Because, I mean, obviously crypto's hot and who gets the crypto and where is it? it it's, it's strange. Yeah, so with divorce, you know, one of the major things is people have stuff, right? So they're married, they're now a team and they're gathering stuff. And the longer they're together, the more stuff they gather. That can be debts, it can be assets. With the advent of cryptocurrency, it can create a problem. Uh, there was a case, it wasn't in this state, but these, these couple had decided that they were gonna invest in crypto. And they did the research and they said, wait, the best way to keep the crypto safe is to just put it on a thumb drive. I'm not an expert on crypto, but from what I understand, when it's on a thumb drive, if you don't have the thumb drive, your money is gone. So in this particular case, they allegedly had 1.5 million or so in this crypto on a thumb drive. That's the only place this money was. And both parties said, I don't have it. He doesn't have it. Husband doesn't have it. Wife doesn't have it. When they went to court, the court has to rule on competent and substantial evidence. So there was legit, really no actual evidence that this crypto even existed. There was nothing tangible, nothing to point at, nothing to direct to be confiscated or transferred. So essentially with, with the crypto, uh, that just remained in limbo. Whoever had it, had it, or even worse, maybe it got run over by a truck or thrown in the trash. I don't know. That's crazy. That's so scary. And it's like millions of dollars. I, I've heard so many stories of that. Like someone, you know, millions of dollars and got thrown out and like they're digging through a, you know, a, a dump. I think they're still doing it, right? Trying to find that millions of dollars. It's like a treasure hunt. Uh, and, and so, I mean, there's no, not only is there no, you can't separate it, but you can't count it towards the assets, can you? If you don't have it. Well, that's the thing. One of, one of the big tricks, I shouldn't call it a trick, but if you have a good family law attorney, the main thing is you've got to uncover the assets. You've got to get a hold of all that stuff. You've got to get concrete proof of where it is, how much it is, where it's people. People do some pretty shady things to hide assets, right? Especially when they have a lot of money. So the, the art is in digging up and identifying those assets and proving where they are and accessing them. And that in, in the case of the crypto, I'm not smart enough to figure that out, but hopefully someday I will be. That's a, it's on the, the cutting edge, I believe. I don't know. It's crazy. I mean, that's what pretty much cryptocurrency was designed for was to hide it and hide it from the, the government. But, you know, it's supposed to be this de democratization. But I, I really, you know, if you look at who's really using it, it's for stuff like this. And that's that, that's got to be so frustrating, too. If you knew your spouse has millions of dollars and they're just like, poof, gone yeah well it, it's almost a cautionary tale i mean it, you know people get married and they intend to stay married forever but the, the, if you do any type of google search you can see there's a pretty high rate of divorce so uh, i mean if you've got a substantial amount of money that may be something to think about do you want to dump it into crypto and put it on a thumb drive that if you physically lose that it's vanished right yeah yeah i didn't ask you this before but i want to know what's the craziest thing you've ever seen people fight over at, in a divorce uh well, you know, it, sometimes it's hard to believe that people actually loved each other at some point in time. I mean, people, and, and it's not only divorce, people break up. You, you see on the news and TV, a, a lot of salacious stories come from breakups. People are passionate and jilted lovers. 
Uh, you, you, you name it. I, I, I mean, people fight over anything and everything. Often pets can, can become a heated topic. And the irony of that is, at least in the state of Florida, pets are what we call chattel, which is an old English word for property. So it's just the same as a lamp or a table or a, you know, a, a car. So, you know, people will fight tooth and nail over the smallest things. And yeah, it's, it's, it's shocking sometimes. It is. It is. And it, yeah, I, I can only imagine the things that you've seen yeah, because you see people at their worst. And that's why, you know, I've worked with so many divorce attorneys over the years. It's funny because, you know, not, well, it's not funny to my wife, but because I got started working with, we we're both, you know, worked in Long Island and I got started working with divorce attorneys there and they, we'd be talking about the, how hard the cases were, how expensive, how much they battled. And, um, and my wife and I were dating at the time and I'm like, I'm not sure I ever want to get married. At the end of the day, there's something to be said about things that are sentimental, right? You know, uh, you know, maybe something has a, a specific meaning to somebody, you know, and to you and I, or the casual observer, it makes no sense why someone would fight over it. But, you know, everybody has their own passions and their own reason for things. Uh, but, yes, I, I do have a lot of clients after they get divorced say, I'm never getting married again. Oh, I, I don't blame them. I don't blame them. And so, you know, obviously you, you focus on family law. That's awesome because it's like it, everything's changing so much and there's just so much nuance to it. And also, you're, I mean, you're a counselor, too. You're not just dealing with the law. You're dealing with people and their emotions but you you were talking about a DUI case you were once involved with and I think this is crazy uh and I and when I first heard about this I'm like no way uh but I mean once again you hear everything so tell me a little about this pantsless DUI years ago there were there was a it actually made the news so an individual was arrested for DUI and the arrest was made because he was outside of the vehicle trying to push the vehicle. I think the vehicle had actually broken down or was inoperable. And as he was pushing, his pants had slipped down and caused him to, to trip and fall. So if you can get a visual of that, you know, an officer had driven by and seen this, um, I can't opine on what the officer was thinking, but that ended up resulting in an in, in arrest. And, and I'm not a criminal law expert by any stretch. This was years, years ago, but the basic premise is the state has to prove that someone is in control of a motor vehicle, an operable motor vehicle, at least that was the rule back then. Uh, so it, it became quite an, an interesting uh, discussion as far as did that person actually violate any laws other than maybe public decency, but was, there was no charge for that. Yeah, I mean, because like you said before, when we were talking about it, it, it's, you know, you're in control of the vehicle. And it's funny, like, I'm like, I remember when you, like you first said, it's it, that that's a debate. And also, can you still call it pulling them over? Yeah. And I mean, you know, we love law enforcement. They, they I, I don't do criminal defense. And that was like a, you know, one off thing. But, you know, everybody's got a tough job out there. I mean, they're trying to keep people safe. Right. And, you know, I think anybody, if you saw something out of the ordinary like that, you would definitely inquire. And if law enforcement uh, it, it sees that they're certainly going to inquire but uh yeah very unique set of circumstances that's crazy yeah you never th i mean because you think i've heard of people getting duis for all like in all sorts of you know asleep in their car with their keys in the ignition right and the, the getting the dui and, and that is not a cool thing but it, who would have thought it wow that's crazy 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 and so you know as you're doing all of this, and like you said, you separate your emotions. You don't bring it home. How do you do that? 
how do you physically like mentally do that is it just like do you turn it off do you compartmentalize it is a lot of meditation are you running i saw you you're doing like you know ops the races <laughs> i saw the picture of you on your website it looks like a, a tough mutter or something like that is that is how do you separate it yeah, so that's a, I'll give you two answers. One, for my own mental health, I, I try to exercise pretty regularly, not only mental health, but physical health. I think that's super important. Uh, being an attorney is a pretty stressful job, and a family law attorney, you're dealing with people's emotions uh, all day. Uh, I think the, the mental part, as far as separating myself from my client's cases at the end of the day, uh, is I, I need to do the best for my clients, and I need to provide them the best representation. And if I am overly vested and I am over consumed and I lose my objectivity and I, I lose that logical edge, I think I would be, be doing a disservice to my clients. So number one, it's important to be the best advocate I can be. And I think I need that separation in order to do that. Uh, the other part is I have to have a life. I, I mean, these folks are going through arguably the most emotional and stressful, one of the most emotional and stressful times in their lives. And you know, I pride myself on trying to be the the beacon of calmness and hope, and you know, try to to give them a certain level of energy to help bring them down. So I, I think it's really grounded in my obligation to my clients and my passion to do a good job. And I, I think it's a necessity. I, as I said earlier, I can't remember if we're recording or not, but if you start bringing this home, and I get home and I eat dinner, and all I'm thinking about are these cases, and I'm doing it 24/7. I think I lose my efficacy as a as an advocate, as a counselor, and as a litigator. A hundred percent, and that's. But we dragged we dragged you on the show to make you relive it all. <laughs> well, this has been awesome, Paul. Thank you so much for being on True Law Stories. We'll put a link to you know if you're in Tampa and you're going unfortunately through a divorce, make sure to check Paul out. We'll put a link to the website in the show notes. And Paul, are you active on social media? Is there some place that people should follow you there? Uh, I should have been prepared for this, but we we're, uh, there's an NLG website, and I, I think I, I am un underscore the bearded lawyer on Instagram, I think. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where I you came up, up with that name. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll put links to all that in the show notes. Paul, thank you so much for being on True Law Stories. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. And thank you all for listening to Paul and I. This has been Ian Garlic and True Law Stories. True Law Stories has been brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com. Testimonials stink. No one wants to watch a testimonial or read a case study. You need Video Case Stories for your business. Go to VideoCaseStory.com to learn more.